How's it going, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast. I'm here with Brendan Kane. Brendan is the best-selling author of 1 million followers in Hookpoint, and he has millions of followers across all social platforms. Brendan, how's it going, man? It's going well. How about yourself? Good, good. Thank you for coming on. I know we had to reschedule, but we're going to get a lot of good nuggets out of the show of how to grow on social media today. Before we dive into that and dive into who you are exactly, I always ask this first question, what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? That's a good question. I would say I probably spend money on dumb stuff all the time. Um, if I have to think about something that comes to mind immediately is like sugar. It's <laughs> sugar. like, it's, it's so good, but it's so dumb, you know, it's, but it's, you know, I would say that. And I try so you, and avoid it as much as possible now, but there's still times when right. you do, so you, do that impulse purchase. So you're a big candy eater, I guess? Uh, not as much anymore. Okay. Um, but there's still times that I will do it. You know, we're all human and we only have so much time on this planet. So you've got you've to enjoy it while it lasts. So I, I've tried to identify healthier sugars um, <laughs> that aren't like completely bad for you. But right. yeah, I would say that's probably a reoccurring a dumb purchase. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm fortunate I never had a sweet tooth, but I could eat a whole bag of chips in a setting. So that's kind of my downfall. But less about that, more about you. You know, reading your book, One Million Followers, you talk about how you weren't really, you know, like a social icon. You, you pretty much just built brands for other people, and then you kind of threw yourself into that space. So let's go through that journey of, I know you've worked with people like Taylor Swift, huge brands and huge, huge icons. And now you're one yourself. So talk me through that journey. So I first started off uh, wanting to be in the film industry and being a film producer. Uh, so I went to film school to learn the business side of it. And then you know, quickly realized when I got there, they don't teach you a lot about business in film school. So I figured the best way to really learn about business is to start your own. Uh, so while I was going to college, I started a few internet companies really just to learn and experiment. And then when I moved out to LA back in 2005 uh, to pursue a career in film, it was uh, the entertainment industry started to reawaken to, to digital after the dot-com bust. And I'm all about how can you stand out? How can you be unique and provide unique value in, in order to grab attention? Right, and I right. just realized I was one of tens of thousands of people that wanted to be film producers, but uh, being, you know, starting at, a studio as an assistant, I would just listen intently to directors and producers and actors and, and hear what their pain points were. And what I noticed is there was always a big sense of anxiety once a film was done. And then you're talking about, well, how do you actually get people to show up and watch it? Because you've made this huge investment. And uh, some people started asking questions about digital and social media was just emerging at the time. Cause this, again, this was back in 2005 so I just leveraged that, that experience to get my foot in the door and, and foster those connections uh, with the studio executives and directors and screenwriters and um, producers. And, you know, quickly went from, you know, just being an assistant, making coffee and copies and deliveries to starting a digital division for one studio. And I moved on to another studio as well and overseeing the, the digital strategy on campaigns ranging from 15 to $100 million budgets. And then through that process, I just realized that I was more cut out to be an entrepreneur. Most people think the film industry is some like sexy creative business, 
uh, but it's really another corporation. Right. And I really wanted to try my hand at building my own things. Uh, so I went off and started building technology platforms and licensing them back to big media companies like MTV and Viacom and Yahoo, Paramount, Vice, to name a few. And then it was really the, you know, the MTV partnerships opened up the doors to making introductions to like Taylor Swift or Rihanna and other big notable names. Um, but that's kind of like how I got started in the space. And then it just kept progressing in, uh, from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think it's a great transition of realizing that you want to be an entrepreneur when you're in a certain field. And I think a lot of people feel that, especially today during COVID, people are stuck at home working nine to fives, but no, they want to do something bigger, something better. And now is you know, the best time for it, I believe. So let's talk through how to actually grow socially. You know, I did my due diligence on your own profiles, right? Because, you know, reading 1 million followers, there's a lot of different strategies, but I imagine not every strategy works for everyone. So for you, I noticed you haven't posted anything on Instagram, at least since July 2nd. And before that, it was February 24th. But I recognize that all of your content is video content. So I think that also plays a role. So for the entrepreneurs or business owners or just people who want to be a celebrity one day, how do they grow on social media today? Yeah. And, you know, just to comment on your first, uh, first, the first thing that you said is, you know, most people look at my book and then they just focus on my social channels. But the book, um, first off, we've used the tactics to grow. Uh, I don't even know, like between me and my team, like oh, well over 50 million followers for clients and probably over 40, 50 billion views. So like my accounts are just one small fraction of right. what we've done. And you know, the reason that I haven't been posting is I, I get hyper-focused. Like as you saw in the mm -hmm. book is like, it was a social experiment. Right. I'm not trying to be an influencer uh, or anything like that. And right now we're focused on the next experiment and we're hyper-focused on that. Uh, and that's kind of the way that I work is like, I think that to get really good at something you need to put, you need to go all in on it. And that's right. the reason for the, the lack of posting. In addition, as I'm sure you remember in the book, um, I present strategies from other people too, not right. just myself, um, because I like to provide different well-rounded strategies that people can choose from. And some of the strategies in the book contradict each other, which is mm -hmm. completely fine. It's like, choose the one that works for you, test right. it, and then go in that direction. Now, the, the number one thing that people need to have uh, in order to be successful in social media, and it's why I wrote an entire, my entire second book on it, is attention. You need to be able, you need to be a master at grabbing attention because the world that we live in today, there's 60 billion messages sent across platforms each day between social media, push notifications, texts, emails, phone calls, all of these things. So you're no longer competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content. So whether you like it or not, you're competing against LeBron James, Netflix, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, uh, the news, all of those things, you're fighting for attention. And if you cannot win attention, if you cannot get people to stop in their feeds and pay attention to what you have to say, A, nobody's going to listen to the entire story, but B, the algorithms will, will suppress your content. Right. Uh, and people have a misunderstanding of algorithms, get frustrated with them. And listen, I get frustrated with them as well. But most people automatically go to is, oh, the algorithms are in place to get me to pay for reach. That's not the case. 
the algorithms have a very, very, very difficult job. Uh, and that is to keep people on the platform longer. So if you opened up Instagram right now, there's probably a thousand pieces of content it could see to you based upon all the people you're following and all the content you've engaged with before. And this goes across any platform. Right. So the algorithms essentially have to, uh, to prioritize because they can't push a thousand pieces of content to you as soon as you open up the app. You'd get overwhelmed and leave. So it, it has to ask itself, uh, like, well, what are the top 10 pieces of content that I'm going to prioritize to this person that's going to keep them on there longer? Because that's how these platforms make money. So um, to your point, the one strategy that will work for people regardless of their industry, the content format is grabbing attention. Um, and we use um, a, a, a framework called a hook point. Uh, and what well, hook point is designed specifically to grab attention in three seconds. Um, and that's my whole second book is hook point, how to stand out in a three second world. And I can give your podcast listeners uh, free access to a masterclass as well yeah. uh, on this. That's an hour and a half just on this. It's at hookpoint.com forward slash masterclass and I'll send you the URL. Yeah. But that's most people overlook this. And oftentimes now that the second book is out or that we have the masterclass, I'm like, before you even like start reading 1 million followers or thinking about follower growth, dive into this first because this is the biggest asset that you need to be successful on social media. So in order to obtain that attention, right, and grab that attention, you know, like I said before, all of your content is videos. So do you think the best way to grab that attention is through video content? So a lot of the vi the platforms are are weighting video heavier, heavily um, because of the retention aspect of it. Now, obviously, YouTube is 99.9% .9 um, video, They've and TikTok as well. Uh, YouTube does have some image posting that you can do, but it's not widely used. And even with Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook, you can see most of the time that video will get more reach and distribution than, than image posts. That's not to say that there aren't accounts out there that you can see are successful with it. But um, the reason that we choose video is because the upside is much larger um, than typically with image posts uh, because of the retention aspect of it. Because mm -hmm. if the algorithms see that your, your watch time is long on a, on a piece of video or content, it'll start seeding it to as many people as possible beyond your followers. Um, but you've got to ask yourself, you know, what are you really good at? Um, because right. video is hard to pull off. You have so many different variables. You have the first three seconds. You have the captions. You have the meme card. You have the, 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 the headline. All those variables have to come together to be successful versus an image. Somebody can really look at it right away and say, I like this or I don't like this. Right. So images are typically easier to pull off, but the upside is not as big as with video content. So, you know, still on the topic of video, I saw today that TikTok is going to be taken off US app stores next Tuesday. So do you think people's brands are going to be negatively affected when they're only on TikTok? Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to be taking it off of the app stores. We'll see what happens with this Oracle bid mm -hmm. um, as to whether that will happen. It'll still be available if you already have it downloaded. But obviously, without updates and other things, it's it's tough. And 
if it doesn't come back and it gets completely shut down or they can't update it in US, does it negatively impact your brand if all everything is on TikTok? Yes, it, it, it does. Does it mean that you can't survive? No, it doesn't mean that. You can get very creative and start migrating audience off, migrating audiences off to other platforms. But that's where it's like understanding the pros and cons of social media and choosing your platform is I, the, things like this happen. Algorithms shift, you know, control right. shifts, things of that nature. So it is something to be conscious of when you're developing your, your social strategy. And you, know, and, you know, along the topic of social strategy, Gary V talks about being on every single platform, you know, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Pinterest. But you mentioned before how you get really hyper-focused on one thing. So I would imagine that might mean also like a platform. You get really hyper-focused on growing on one platform. So what is your advice? Do you think people should be everywhere or just be really good at one platform? To me, it's starting with being really good at one platform and then, and then diversifying out from there. I'm not saying that you can't tackle multiple platforms, but if you don't know how to master one platform first, then you're going to struggle to master any platform. And there's a lot of things that I agree with on, on Gary. That is one that I don't agree mm-hmm. with him on. I'm not saying that it can't work for some people, but you know he's got a team of 30 plus people helping him churn out content across all these platforms. Um, again, I'm not saying that people can't be successful, but I can tell you that there's very, very few accounts. Maybe right. I can name like less than five that I know work across all platforms. Yeah. And you will see certain influencers or certain brands will just absolutely kill it on one platform and they just can't get the others to work but because they kill it on one platform, it's enough. Now, again, we just talked about the issue with TikTok. So, you know, how do you migrate your audience and, and kind of mitigate um, the downsides? I mean, TikTok, I think, is a, a very rare instance that, that people are facing that, I, you know, most of the other platforms will never face. But it is something to take into consideration. And again, that's just my perspective. It's where we've seen success. Um, but I, you know, I just worry that people dilute their energy, dilute their efforts, or stress themselves out by trying to conquer all platforms at the same time or creating content for all platforms. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, right? You know, I tried to be on Twitter and I tried to post on LinkedIn, but there's no engagement there and I don't have the time to figure out how to grow. So I focus mainly on Instagram, but on the topic of content, right? do you think it's better to post more consistent content, but it's imperfect? Or do you think you should only post, you know, the perfect piece of content just periodically? Well, I don't believe in perfect. Perfect is tough. Um, and it can get you into trouble. And it's right. something that I've faced early on. I've gotten much better at it of feeling something's got to be absolutely perfect before you push it out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just get into a paralysis and then you never reach anything or release anything. Now I will say that I'm a huge believer in quality over quantity. There's, I think a lot of misinformation in the market saying you've got to post multiple times a day and that's the key to success. At the end of the day, it comes down to content. Mm -hmm. Is your content good or not? Now I would suggest posting something that's imperfect if you have set up to know what you're trying to learn from it. This, This is the biggest mistake people make is they're constantly posting and they don't learn anything. If something bombs, they don't look at it and be like, why didn't this work? 
or something right. did work, understanding what about this worked so that we can apply it to the next piece of content and next piece of content. But we're just huge proponents of quality over quantity and you know, releasing content um, that we are either set to learn something from or releasing content when we have something of value that we think is, is really going to resonate with the audiences that we're going after. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, I think posting value uh, is just the main concept, whether that's consistently or not. But I do see where people over post and you look at the post and you're like, what was the point of this? You know, why would I like this? Why would I engage with it? There's no value behind it. But I assume too, with all the influencers you work with and the brands, I'm assuming you promote, hey, everything we post just has to be of value, whether it's perfect or not. Would that be right? Yeah, I mean, and there's different forms of value. Right, uh, right. You know, there's education, there's entertainment, there's the emotional connection. So value can mean multiple things. But again, it just comes back to understanding all of the other content you're fighting against and, and how are you going to, you know, we talk a lot about pattern interruption. How are you going to interrupt that pattern of just that endless scrolling to get somebody to stop and pay attention to what you have to say to win the next 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds? And then make sure that you're delivering something because we're not talking about clickbait here. You have to, in order to maximize attention, you have to deliver something um, that's of substance to match how you right. grab that attention. And that's where clickbait really falls apart is you're tricking people into something and most times the substance isn't there and thus you you lose and, and minimize the value of the attention you just garnered. Yeah, I've seen that on YouTube a lot where I click on a video because of the title and then immediately I go to the comments and people are saying, yeah, this is not even relevant. And it kind of makes you angry, right? Like clickbait is good when you're actually providing the value, but when you're not providing the value, people have that negative connotation towards it. But when growing on, let's say Instagram and Facebook, there's the notion of boosting your posts, promoting your posts. You know, it doesn't take a lot of money to boost them. But in your book, One Million Followers, we talked about it before we started recording, but you mentioned how try to grow an audience in another country because you can grow a loyal following somewhere else. So that's something I've done, you know, promoting my podcast also to the US, but my strategy is to promote it first to India, Mexico, Brazil, and Indonesia, because those people are more inclined to uh, engage with my content. And then I boost it again to US, Canada, and UK, because I believe you mentioned in the book, but people who are in those countries are more inclined to engage with a post that already has a lot of engagement, right? So when you're working with brands and maybe they're struggling to build in the US or UK or Canada, is that your first strategy? Hey, let's build a brand somewhere else, get you a little following and then move to another country. It depends on the brand. You know, if we're talking like an e-commerce company that only ships and fulfills in the US, then not really. If we're talking about a podcast or an influencer or a musician or a movie where it's a global play, then yes, we will. Um, but I always start with, if it's not working in the US, if we're not gaining market share, where are we falling flat in the content right. strategy? What's not working? Um, and most people will look at the emerging markets or the global market and kind of like um, really get down on it. And I don't really understand it because people aren't reading between the lines of what's really happening. And the perfect example is, TikTok, they invested a billion dollars to break into India 
And once they got banned in India, they are projecting a $6 billion loss. So that's telling you that India is value uh, is worth $6 billion to TikTok. Why? Because it's going to be the largest population in the world mm -hmm. soon. And if you look at Facebook and Instagram, they went after market share in that. And that's their number one country or their number one um, yeah, country on the platform for both Facebook and Instagram. Another perfect example is you looking at WhatsApp. WhatsApp was, value, I think, acquired for um, 17 or $19 billion by Facebook. Facebook yeah. And why did Facebook pay that much money for that? Because WhatsApp did not go after the domestic markets. They went after the emerging markets and built the strongest foothold in those markets that was attractive to Facebook because Facebook owns enough of the US and the UK and Canada. They see the global picture as the future of their business. And that's why they're willing to pay that much for WhatsApp because they garnered right. that market share. Now, again, I'm not saying it's right for every business, right. but most people are, are overlooking the opportunity and the value of diversifying into a, a global audience and, you know, maximizing that opportunity right now, which, you know, people are going to be catching on and people are starting to catch on as more of this media attention uh, releases these stories. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously people still have the ability to buy followers and engagement and, you know, people get on social media and that's all they care about is the numbers. If they have a certain amount of followers, they have to get a certain amount of engagement. So for people that I talk to, you know, I'm saying, why would you buy engagement? Just boost your post for a few dollars and you're going to get the same, if not more. And you could have potentially capture a new customer, a new listener, a new fan. Right. So I think it makes sense to boost but it is, you know, still the pay to play method. A, a, a method that's not pay to play is hashtags. Now in your experience, do you think hashtags still work? Because from what I've seen, they worked a few years ago, but now it doesn't seem like it gets much traction. Yeah. And I would agree. It's like, again, like thinking about now between a few years ago, there's less content on the platforms. Right. Um, so hashtags at one point were a huge um, tool to use. But again, the algorithms have to get much stricter and much smarter and not just release a piece of content to your followers or beyond that just because it has a hashtag. Right. It has to measure against, you know, certain metrics um, and retention metrics and thing, um, things that are going to keep people on the platform longer. So can it give you a little boost? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's content. Like you can't use hashtags. You can't use engagement pods to fuel the algorithm to push a piece of content that isn't playing to the metrics that they're looking at. Right. Um, the same thing with a, an amazing piece of content. You can upload an amazing piece of content that has no hashtags, no engagement groups, and it can go super viral. Right. Um, so what I always recommend is like focus on the content. Mm -hmm. um, these other hacks can give you like incremental growth. And I'm not going to say that we've never done them or never test them. We test everything. Um, we test uh, things that maybe I don't believe in, but I want to see how they work right. just so I can have a firm understanding of what other people are doing in the market. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because there are a lot of different hacks out there and I don't know how true it is, but I've heard people who use engagement groups and people who, 
use hashtags, but they use the same hashtag in the same order every single post can potentially get shadow banned. Now, I would assume the, the algorithm is smart enough to notice that, but have you ever had an experience to where maybe a brand or a person you're working with or even your own has been shadow banned? We haven't had any experiences with us or our clients being shadow banned. I've heard of instances and does it make sense? Sure. That, that, that can happen. But again, content cures all right. You have great content. That's of value to these platforms. And if you get shadow banned, I I mean, I've heard all various things. Maybe it's a week, uh, a few, a few days or a month. Uh, your account will recover from it in, 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 unless you keep abusing it um, and you will recover with good content. That is what these platforms are looking for and going after. So that's, that's the way that we approach it with anybody that's getting minimal reach is oftentimes I don't think it's that, that they've been shadow banned. I, 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 I believe that it's because their content is not serving what the algorithms are looking for and thus they're getting limited reach and with limited reach, you get limited engagement. Right. And, and you know, something I've noticed on Instagram is when they, you know, release new features, people are encouraged to use them because Instagram rewards you for using the new features and case in point reels. I have a buddy who was on TikTok, but he's now doing reels on Instagram. And for someone who only got a few hundred likes a post, his reels are getting 50,000 likes a post. Now, have you seen that where, because his other posts are still getting just a few hundred likes. So his reels are being seen by a lot of people. And I imagine not everyone is using reels over TikTok yet. So, yeah, and you're hundred percent correct in that assessment is they're doing that on purpose because they know that your friend, if he sees the amount of engagement he gets on reels, uh, and they boost the reach with it, and thus the correlative effect is massive engagement and more engagement that they would receive on TikTok. Subconsciously, what that's doing for your friend is saying, maybe I should focus more on Instagram. Right. This is this is working better. So it's a hundred percent by design that they're doing it. I even saw a correlation of when people took their TikTok videos uh, that were created on TikTok and uploaded it to Instagram, they were getting more reach. Yeah. So. Yes, they're always incentivizing new features. Uh, and uh, again, that assessment with Reels is spot on, is they're doing that on purpose. Do you think, especially with TikTok's imminent ban in the US, do you think Reels is gonna take over? Because my, my initial ass- assessment of Reels was, it's hard to grow unless you already have a huge following on Instagram. But my friend is a case in point where that's not true. So I do believe Reels has the uh, ability to overtake TikTok, but can it do it within Instagram? Well, I, I think that the is Reels the answer? I don't know. Will Instagram slash Facebook figure out the answer? Yes. I mean, you see what they did with Snapchat and Stories. They that wasn't their first attempt. You know, the the thing that a lot of people you know, don't really pay attention to uh, with Facebook is their ability to test and their relentless nature of testing and being willing to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been counting Facebook out for the past seven or eight years saying it's dying, it's dying, it's dying. Yet they keep diversifying. They, they are 
they keep testing things and trying new things. And I, I, I believe that ultimately they will come up with the answer. Now, um, how quickly they come up with the answer? Is it reels? Uh, I, I don't know if it's reels. It seems like they're having some success with it, but I, I don't have access to the full data on what it's doing across the platform to right. determine whether it's this feature or another one they develop. Right, right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think reels will do well for sure. Uh, but you know, just my opinion, my limited opinion is I think it would do better as a separate app. But again, like you said, Facebook is, is a giant. Instagram is a giant. They're constantly testing. And I think at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so let's just trust them to do their tests as they go. But Brendan, we talked about a lot and I appreciate it. And we're going to start concluding here. I always end with this question. Nothing really to do about what we talked about or any advice or any tips, but why do you love what you do? And why is it equally as important for all entrepreneurs to also love what they do? Well, I think for me, the process that I love is learning. That's what fuels me as people may see me as a social media person. Social media is such a small fraction of, of what I've done, but you know, it's that relentless kind of nature of constantly being curious and learning that I love and fuels me. And, you know, the, I think the critical importance of having some passion for what you're doing, I'm going to be hesitant to say love, um, but passion for it is, it's hard. Yeah. You know, achieving things is hard and you run into obstacles, you run into roadblocks. And when you hit those obstacles and roadblocks, that passion, or it could be love, fuels you to get through it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that passion, if you jump into something just for money or for another reason, can you be successful? Yes. I'm not going to say that you can't be successful. There's some people that do it just for money, but I would probably bet that they have some passion for what that money does for them. That's their guiding light. Right. Uh, mindset is so important. It's like, I just uh, released the second edition of the Million Followers book, and I restructured it to start off the beginning of the book with mindset. Because, you know, there's people that come out and complain about my book that it didn't work for them. And then I ask them, well, what did you do to execute on it? And they don't do anything, or they try one thing and they give up, versus other people that have had massive success. Like I was on a, um, I was in a, I spoke at a private mastermind for one of the biggest real estate companies uh, in the world this morning and one of their uh, real estate um, brokers took, uh, found the book, put it to practice um, and she made like $90,000 in sales off like a hundred or $800 media buy. And then she gave the book to the founder of the, the company. That's how I got to speak at their private mastermind. But we see examples of people that take the information and have amazing success with it. And it's not just with our book or our information, it's with anything in life. Right. It's like you could buy the best course, the best book, have the best coach, go to the best college in the world. But if your mindset isn't right, if you don't have that foundation, you're ultimately not going to succeed. Right. It, you just won't. It's, unless you're playing to win the lottery and you get lucky, um, and 99.9% .9 of us will not hit it out the gate the first time. Some of us will struggle for years and years to, to reach that goal. And the people that are ultimately successful – um, have that, that foundation under them, whether you want to call it passion, whether you want to call it love or, or something else, 
that helps them overcome difficult challenges. Yeah, I love that you said that because I was on a podcast yesterday and I talked about how I don't consume podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts because the reality of me doing anything with that information is slim. So why would I waste my time doing that? And same with books. I talked about how people brag about reading books. I used to be that person. I read a lot of books and be like, yeah, I read this many books, but how much information was I retaining and using? Not much. So I think it's important that when you buy that course, when you read that book, when you watch that video, when you listen to that podcast, like find value in it and use it, test it. It might not work, but at least you know what's not going to work for you now. So I like that you said you love the process of learning because I think as an entrepreneur, you're constantly doing that. You're constantly learning. Things are constantly changing. And if you don't adapt and learn along the way, you're going to fail. Yeah. And you honestly don't know what is the thing that you learn that's going to resonate. Exactly. What you talked about is reading books is sometimes you'll read a whole book and you'll get nothing out of it. Sometimes you'll read a book and you'll get one thing out of it that transforms your life or exactly. you listen to a podcast and it's like one segment that resonates with you and you just don't know what that one thing is going to be. Right. Um, but if you're, the, if you just jump from thing to thing to thing and don't put anything into practice, then it doesn't matter how much information you consume. Exactly. I'm not saying that you have to put everything that you learn into practice. Like if, if people read my book, one of my books, and if they take one thing away and they integrate that one thing and it's successful for them, that's all that matters. Right. You don't need to execute on everything or try everything. And that's something that I learned, you know, when I first started out, I tried to retain everything and try and put everything into practice. And it's, you just don't need to, you don't need to exactly. operate that way. Exactly. And you know, there, there's that quote, knowledge is power, but I don't think the quote's finished. Knowledge is power when used, right? Yeah. So, you have to use it. Exactly. Exactly. But Brendan, I appreciate your time, man. Where can my audience find you on social media or any websites? Yeah. My website's uh, brendanjkane.com and on Instagram, I'm at Brendan Kane. Um, but as I mentioned, I think that the, the best place is if they go to hookpoint.com forward slash masterclass, check that out first. Um, or get the Hookpoint book at hookpoint.com before you generate or dive into the 1 million followers book or focus on, on social media because it's just going to set that foundation for you to ultimately be success, uh, successful because the currency that is the most valuable in today's society is attention and right. whether you can master at, at grabbing it or not. Right, yeah. Guys, I will link all of those links in the description. Reach out to Brendan. Let him know what you thought about the episode. And Brendan, I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.